Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Well, let's stand one more time. I want to open up uh, in prayer one more time. I want to just, I just want to ask the Holy Spirit to just take over, amen? Because he's going to speak to us. Would you just lift your voices all across this place? Father, we just welcome your Holy Spirit into this house. And Lord, we open up our hearts and our minds and our spirits to receive, God, what Pastor has for us tonight. Lord, we ask that every spirit of darkness, every lie of the devil, every tormenting spirit, every deceptive spirit is bound by the blood of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that you're going to speak to us tonight a word that is straight from heaven. We pray for your power, your anointing, and your unction to be upon Pastor tonight as he brings the word. And Lord, we declare in the mighty name of Jesus that we're going to bring fruit out of this tonight. Revival in spirit tonight. Revive our hearts. Align us tonight as a church and as churches in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody shout it and give God one one more big praise and shout amen. Amen. Come on, let's praise his name one more time. Hallelujah. Amen. You can stay standing for just a moment. Pastor Bland is, whether he likes it or not, he is my mentor. He is special to me. He teaches me so much. I thank God for his, his life. Uh, his wife could not be with him this weekend, uh, but, but he has a beautiful, wonderful wife and family and lots of grandkids. And uh, I, I just love learning from him. I love listening to him and, and watching his life. You know, it's one thing to hear a message, but it's another thing to see the message. How many want your life to be a living message? And uh, there's an old saying, when you go throughout the whole world, preach the gospel whenever necessary, use words. It's one, anybody can speak, but to have the life lived of what you're preaching is what I see in Pastor Bland. And I thank God for all the years of fruit. He's been preaching the gospel for longer than he probably wants me to say. But let's let him know tonight that we love him and appreciate him. And let's open up our hearts. Let's let Pastor Bland have a big Texas welcome tonight. Amen. As he comes, let him know you're glad he's here. Praise God. Amen. You can be seated. Praise God. Well, Pastor, you know, in life, how many know we need friends? I've learned something. You don't make it without friends. Pastor Jones told me years ago, he said, he said, Jonathan, you know how we make it? We pull each other through. How many ever had somebody pull you through? Well, I thank God for friends that pull me through. Now, Pastor Blake's a little bit of a sneaky guy. And uh, today we went and I was going to buy a suit. I, I told my wife, I said, I need one of those suits that has a little bit of adjustment room. <laughs> I had them fitted a while back, and I've unfitted them. How many have unfitted some of your clothes? So anyways, we went to the thing and, and uh, K&G, and then he's, he's giving him his number to uh, get the points or whatever for his card. And the next thing you know, tap, and he paid for it. And uh, that wasn't my plan at all. He's sneaky about it. I, I think I'm getting slow on the uptake here. I'm not really sure, but I do appreciate Pastor Blake and Carla so much. They're friends, and we're partners. We pull each other through. This church, 
I'm thankful for this church, all of you. It's, it's uh, a wonderful representation of what God can and will do. Amen. So I'm excited for you. I'm excited about your, your land. And I was thrilled when, when he shared that. I'm going to go see it tomorrow. And it's really wonderful what God's doing. So I want to just share something with you tonight that God has put on my heart. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 8. I want to read this story um, about a woman's life. The title of my sermon tonight is Caught in the Act. Let's read this. It says in John chapter 8, verse 1, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Uh, now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him. And he sat down and he taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in their midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, or maybe tricking him, right, trying to trick him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, and he wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up, and he said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down, and he wrote on the ground. And then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Let's pray. Father, I ask you tonight, open your word to our hearts. Give each person, God, what they need out of this message and story and real life event. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, let's just consider this tonight. You know, just the simple word of God speaks to us. Sometimes as, as pastors and preachers, we think we've got to wow it. How many know the word is, is wowy enough? And this is a true event that happened a couple thousand years ago. And let's just get the backdrop. Jesus is just entering into a day of teaching. And uh, he had spent the night, if you listen to it, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and then now early in the morning he came. So he had spent the night in prayer uh, and, and the, and the, at the Mount of Olives where he prayed a lot. And uh, how many of you know there, he knew there was opposition coming? Best thing you can do is be prayed up. How many of you have ever got yourself beat up because you weren't prayed up? <laughs> I went on an outreach a number of years ago uh, when I was first saved, and I remember, and I knocked on this door, and it was this Mormon guy. And, uh, you know, they don't even preach the real gospel. But, you know, uh, as I, he, I got beat up. How many of you ever tried to witness and got beat up? Because I wasn't prayed up. I should have known. I should have been able. My spirit and the spirit of Christ in me should have defeated. But I walked away like this. Because 
I, I wasn't ready for it. But Jesus is prayed up here. He spent the night in prayer. He wasn't earning anything. He was just communing with the Father. You know, if you just take the time to commune with God in a simple fashion, God will be with you. And so uh, opposition is mounting. His message is being preached. Now, the, here they are, and, and they, the first thing at the beginning of the day, they, they ambush him. And they drag out this one. I want you to kind of get the picture. This was an intense situation. This woman, they are uh, pointing the finger at her. She is humiliated. How many of you have ever been in awkward situations? This was awkward. This was a woman who somehow it was known by everybody that she's caught in the act. That's a little descriptive if you think about it. This is humiliating. This is, uh, the, the disciples are going, oh my goodness, what, you know, everybody's thinking, what's going to happen here? And so the, the, the shameful facts are thrown right out in the open. She's, she's caught. In, church, let me just tell you, every person in this place, at some point, you're going to be undeniably guilty. You're going to be, in a sense, caught in the act. Now, whether that's exposed to the whole world or not, I've been caught in the act. How many ever had the Holy Ghost catch you in the act? He knows everything. We don't think he does. But all of a sudden, he, he brings you to a place, and it's like, this is who you are, and I know it. And so this woman is in a place that we've all been, and if we haven't been, you will be. So uh, she's caught, and, and so I think everybody should listen up tonight because it is one of the most redemptive uh, situations that you'll find in the Bible. And so Jesus, first of all, he doesn't get, you know, the devil tries to get you to fight with people. and He doesn't take their bait. Well, the, the, the law says this. Now, we, right there, a lot of us would have gotten into a bait. Well, this scripture says he didn't even contend with them. He ignores them. You know, there's a time to speak and a time not to speak. And he just ignores them. And uh, uh, he's just quiet. But that's an, there's an uncomfortable quietness going on. And he's just there. Let's just picture, so Jesus, uh, I'm not Jesus, but Jesus is up here, and, and uh, he's, he's been put on the spot. It's like a news reporter, right? And uh, uh, this one would probably be CNN in this case. But anyhow, uh, he, the news reporter's there, and, and they're, they're, they're trying to put him on the spot. The cameras are on him. Let me tell you, we're still talking about this story, so the cameras were on him. And so uh, here he is, and, and what are you going to do? They're trying to catch him. And he spoke uh, an important message, and I believe that he spoke specifically to three groups of people. Now, tonight, you might be in more than one of those groups. That's fine. We're here to let the Holy Ghost help each one of us where we need it tonight. So, but he, in this scripture, he specifically spoke, and I want you to consider this tonight. Consider what God is saying to you, because I believe that he has something for every one of us here tonight that will help us. So the first thing he, the first group he speaks to is to the religious crowd. Now, who, who are the religious crowd? Well, in this case, they were the they were the Pharisees and Sadducees. They were the church leaders, the elders, whatever, that had brought this woman and, and uh, brought this whole confrontation down. And, you know, a lot of times uh, we, we get all indignant. Well, I don't, I'm not one of those Pharisees. That's not me. I'm not the religious crowd. Hold on just a minute. You know, the, the, the religious crowd still exists today. It's not, we don't call ourselves Pharisees. But there is, a, there is a, a group of Pharisees in every church, in every city, 
And so we have to consider. And if you can't consider that you might be part of that religious crowd, you probably are. Listen to me. We get religious so easy. And there, there's, there's uh, so who is the, uh, what are we talking about? What, um, when we talk about the religious crowd. So, so the, first of all, let me just say the religious crowd really had no concern for this woman. They wanted just to be right. And to prove that they were right, to win the argument, to uh, to to come off as wise or smart, you know, to, to say I, I'm the I'm the right one, I'm the good one, the, win an argument. You know, when we just want to win an argument, we're we're heading towards religious ground. And the Pharisees, they love to argue, they love to quote scripture, they love to love to be right. And but the trouble is. The appearance of rightness is what they're more concerned about. It, it's when we're religious to what everybody thinks of me. Do, you know, do they notice my suit? Uh, you know, does the pastor see that, that I have been really consistent in these areas? And, and the trouble is, and let's be honest, we all care what people think. I hear people, well, I don't care what anybody thinks. Liar, liar. Just walk out in the parking lot and, and do something really stupid like trip and stumble. And the first thing you'll do is you'll look around. No matter how bad it hurts, just see who saw you do that. You'll be more concerned about how stupid you looked than the pain that it caused, right? We are, we are kind of wired that way. Second Timothy says in, th- in chapter 3, verse 1 says, You should also know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be difficult times for people will love uh, only themselves and their money, and they will be boastful and proud and scoffing at God and disobedient. Then you jump down, and he says, and they will act as if they are religious, but they will reject the very power that could make them godly. So here's the Pharisees. Here's the religious crowd, even possibly some, and we're, we're more worried about how we look. They will act religious, but there's no real deep change in them. These guys were critical. They didn't care. There was no love of God in them. They, they were willing, get this, they wanted her to die. They would have been fine if Jesus would have picked up a stone and been the first one to throw a rock and bloody her face. They would have been okay with that. That's the religious crowd, but that's not the heart of Jesus. I'll assure you that. So uh, how, how the, the religious were more interested in how we appear to those around us. You, you say, well, how, how does that play out? Well, you know, the, the religious crowd will never be on their knees broken at an altar because somebody might think they're a sinner. Well, you are a sinner. And it's best that you admit it before somebody else has to point it out. Amen? So you won't find. You know what? Altar calls are a good uh, test of whether we're getting religious or not. I don't care how long you've been saved. There's a time to get on our knees and just say, Lord, please help me today. I'm a mess today. I talked to a guy, and he's a, he's a great preacher, and uh, he's a man of God, but uh, he preached uh, a while back, and... and uh, and, and he told me later on, he said, I don't even think I was saved when I preached that night. Now, he was, but I mean, that's just humility. It's just saying, you know what, God, please. Uh, you know, I think it was Spurgeon or somebody said, God, help that poor sermon. You know what I mean? See, a religious person will never be at an altar saying, oh, God, please help me. Please help me, Lord. You, those Pharisees would not have gotten on there. They would never have an answer, answered an altar call. 
If you cannot come to an altar and, and answer an altar, there's probably something religious at work in you. So, uh, so what, was, what was Jesus' message to the religious accusers? And Because they ask him. The, the law says, stone her. Uh, but what do you say? They're going to pit him against the word of God. And so the problem is he was the word of God. So uh, somebody, let me, let me just say this. He never once said sin is not a problem. He never once took up and said she's not so bad. Can I tell you that sin is dangerous? It's bad. It will hurt you. He never backed off from that. Not one time did he say that. See, the, the problem with sin, it's so terribly dangerous because in it is the seed of death, the Bible says. It's the, it's the seed that starts death. How many don't want death in your life? And when I say death, I'm talking about death in your marriage. I'm talking about death in your children. And not even just physically, but spiritual death. Uh, I'm talking about uh, financial death. James 1.14 or 15 says, And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So Jesus doesn't back off. Tonight, uh, he, he doesn't back off. They were trying to trick him. If you're, if you're uh, playing with, with sin, I, I tell you, I, I, I'm afraid of sin because there's death in it. You know, when I was uh, first say I was raised in church, my dad was a preacher, and I wasn't necessarily serving the Lord, but I was afraid to get drunk. I was afraid to get high. I've never even drank a can of beer. Definitely not Bud Light. But, you know why I did that? It wasn't because I was so spiritual. I'm afraid of sin. There's a seed of death in it. I was afraid if I got drunk, if I opened that door, if I got high, if I shot up, I'm telling you, uh, I was afraid I'd never come out of it. Or I was afraid I would, let me tell you, you never know. You know why you don't drink and you don't even drink wine? Because it'll open a door. Every person responds differently. Your body chemistry responds differently. But see, uh, we, need to, we need to understand that in, in sin is the seed of death. If you don't want death in your marriage, your life, your family, and certainly in eternity, then you got to have a healthy respect. It's like a snake. I hate snakes. I think all snakes should die. They always tell me, well, this one does good. It eats this, and I don't care. Not at my house, amen? If it sees me, it's over. I get a shovel with a long handle and deal with that. But the, the thing is, uh, I saw a deal the other day. Somebody sent me a video or something. This guy is playing with this, this cobra. How stupid is, I mean, it is stupid. But anyhow, I'm looking at that. That's what people do with sin. Oh, you know, it's rattling and squirming, but we're playing with it. No, it will bite you. It has the seed of death in it. So these here, here, they, here they are, and, and he doesn't back off from that. But Jesus replies and to the Pharisees. He says in verse 7, So when they continued asking him, uh, he raised himself up and he said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. So again, he's talking to the religious crowd. And he says, okay, I agree. Go ahead. The one that's without sin, have at it. And so uh, what, what is he saying there? Before, let me tell you, before you begin to harshly deal with people, you better consider your own heart. 
there better be that consideration in your own heart. Uh, it, it's a profound statement. I don't think one of us would have thought to handle it that way. We'd have got lost in the weeds of religious argument. And so, because let me just tell you something. There is only one that is worthy. This was an issue of judgment. Not a judgment of sin, but judgment of a person. We know sin is sin, right? But we do not, we cannot judge people. We cannot judge somebody's heart, can we? I preached a funeral last week of a girl that, that overdosed on drugs. And uh, it was, you know, as I was preparing for that, um, you know, I, I wanted to be honest. You can't just sweep, sugarcoat everything. You know, everybody's dancing in heaven, no matter. I don't know. But the truth is, what really hit me is I don't know. I don't have to know. I'm not the judge. I don't know. The Bible says deep calls to deep. When somebody's in a coma, God can still talk to them. So I don't have to answer that. I don't judge them into heaven, and I don't judge them into hell. And he says, basically, the person that has the right to judge her is the person that uh, is without any sin at all. There's a, there's a profound message here to the religious crowd. We don't have the right. I've been in, in groups that were judgmental, and boy, we're going to discipline, and we're going we're to bring, you know, religious always wants to bring punishment and judgment. It's, it's, it's in its DNA. And, it's, and it says in 2 Timothy 4, verse 1, And so I solemnly urge you before God and before Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead. Who judges? Christ Jesus. We don't judge. And even though Jesus was the, the one that could judge, there wasn't one person there. So he says to the religious crowd, you're not the judge. When somebody in church messes up, you're not the judge. When we don't know people's hearts, the person that you would judge as the perfect specimen of Christianity may end up in hell. And the person that you, that you think is just barely getting by, they may end up first ahead of the line of you in heaven. So we're not the judge of people's lives. Religion always wants to punish and to judge. And he says, no, that ain't going to happen here today, religious folks. I tell you what, there, there should be a spirit of grace. There is in this church. There should be a spirit of grace, not a spirit of judgment. I'm not your judge, and you're not my judge. I would be a lousy judge. I can't see your motives. I can't see your heart. I can't see what's gone on in your life. Hebrews 3, uh, 9 says, that, that he took his own blood, and with it, he secured our salvation forever. Only the perfect blood can judge, and that's Jesus. Amen? So that's to the religious crowd. The second message that he spoke was to the adulterous woman herself. And he says in, in uh, John chapter 8, verse 9, And when Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I go and sin no more. So let's consider. What's his message? We understand the message to the Pharisees. They left. They had no answer to that. But what is his message to this woman? Because now he's left with the problem to deal with this woman and her situation. He doesn't sweep it under the carpet. As I said earlier, he doesn't okay her sin. But you have to consider, she was probably terrified. Wouldn't you have been? I mean, you, you have to know that in the presence of Jesus Christ, you sense th this is serious. This is the Son of God. You had to know, I don't care what the Pharisees or anybody else, when people got around Jesus, they knew they were around Jesus. 
Whether they liked it, whether it stirred up a devil in them or not, they knew. And so she's terrified. She probably thinks, this is my last day. Some of you here tonight, you're, you're in her position. You have messed up. You have failed. And the devil has you terrified. You're terrified at what's gone down. I'm just telling you tonight that this is the part that's for you. And he says to her, where are your accusers? Now, Here's, here's the weight of that. He's saying, where are the men that you thought held your fate? Where are the people that you thought? Let me tell you, people stay bound up because they think they've done too much. You know what? Men don't hold your fate. God holds your fate. Where are your accusers? Where are your accusers? And so as you look at that, these accusers, you know, accuse, sometimes your accuser is your mother-in-law. Sometimes your accuser is a spouse. Sometimes your accuser is something else. He says, where are the people that could legally accuse you? Where are they? He's really saying, they're not here, are they? They have no more power. Can I tell you tonight, we need to know that when we failed, that our accusers do not hold us any longer. When we come to Jesus and we're on our knees before Jesus, the accuser's power is destroyed. It's destroyed. And so, so here, uh, where are your accusers? And uh, she, so she says, well, well, they're all gone. And so Jesus alone is, is and he's not accusing. So you're, you're in, in, in a hopeful place here. You know, Romans 8, 31, he says, if God is for us, who can be against us, right? He says, we shall, uh, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? The accusers are gone. Jesus is saying, I don't accuse you. I'm willing to not condemn you. I'm willing to forgive you. She's already broken at this point. And uh, she, she's in that place. And notice this. It says in verse 11, she said, no one, Lord. That's where she got saved, right there. Because the Bible says in, in 1 Corinthians, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So when she said, no one, Lord, she didn't say, none of your business. She didn't say, who are you? She said, no one, Lord. You say, did she get saved? Yeah, she got saved right there. You know, it has to do with the heart. And in that moment of time, she felt her need for the Lord. And she said, nobody, Lord. And here's, here's a powerful, powerful truth. You know, people say, well, um, you know, God will forgive you, but what you bring on yourself, 99.9% .9 of everything that we deal with, we brought on ourselves. I realize there are some things that happen when you were young and different things. But many times, I want to show you, there's a powerful scripture in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 24. Here it says, uh, who can snatch the plunder of war from the hands of a warrior? Who can demand that the, the King James Version says, the lawful captive are delivered? What are the lawful captive? That, so who can, when, when a warrior has lawfully captured somebody, what do you do about it? It's lawful, right? You're You're guilty. It's lawful. You did. She was the adulterous woman caught in the very. It's, it's cut and dried. She's guilty. She's lawfully captive. Are you with me? See, this is the hard thing. What do you do when you're lawfully captive? 
What do you do when you did the deed? When you lied, you stole, you lusted, you did this, you did that. What do you do? She's lawfully cast. It says, but. Everybody say, but. But the Lord says the captive of warriors will be released. Even when you are lawfully captive like this woman was, you will be released, and the plunder of the tyrant will be retrieved. Oh, that's a wonderful scripture. So here she is. She is the lawfully captive, and, but yet she is released, and the plunder is retrieved. There's a restoration that goes on in her life. That is, is, was his message. Where are your accusers? You are not under what people think anymore. You know, people may never forgive you of certain things. So be it. Don't, don't be in that crowd, by the way. Be one of the forgivers, not the ones that, you know, there was a girl in our church years ago, and, and, and new people came to church. She was the one that, that told them all the bad things about everybody in the church from 20 years ago. Not even just bad things, uncomfortable things. How many know there's something you just, you'd rather forget than remember? They may not even be big sins. It might be stupid things. Don't, don't repeat everybody's stupid things. And nobody will repeat your stupid things, amen? But here's this woman, and, uh, and she, she, she's been, Jesus says, where are your accusers? You're not, you're not bound. And then he, he gives her one last word. He says, neither do I condemn you. That's pretty meaningful, isn't it? He said, you know what? Those accusers are gone, and I don't condemn you. You know what God's word, if you've failed and you've repented and you've come to the Lord and you've brought uh, failures in your family or failures in your life, he says, I don't condemn you. People condemn. The religious definitely condemn. But Jesus says, I don't condemn you. And then he tells her, and this last part is important, he says, go and sin no more. Now, I used to think that that was like, don't do it again. And maybe there's an element of that there. But it's, it's more than that. It's, it's you don't have to sin no more. See, the Bible says, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. So when he says go and sin, he said, dear, you've got a new life. You don't have to live like that no more. You are free. You don't have to be an adulteress anymore. Go and sin no more. Amen? John 8, 36. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I want to be free indeed. So that woman walked away, not just escaping a lynching or a killing, but she was knew that she wasn't condemned by God, and she knew she didn't have to do those dark things anymore. You know, sin has a way, and you feel trapped in it. And you think, I have to keep doing this. I'll keep failing. This was what Jesus was saying. No, you don't have to keep failing. Because I went to the cross for you. Go, and you don't have to live that way no more. Oh, man, that's a breath of fresh air. You don't have to do those drugs anymore. You don't have to get high anymore. You don't have to be hateful and bitter anymore. See, God is, is able and willing to give you a totally new life. Now to him, it says in Jude 24, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. How many want that in your life? So she left with a whole new lease on life. He helped her. And then the last message here is this. It says, then Jesus spoke to them again. So he spoke to the Pharisees, he spoke to the woman, and then he spoke to the, all of us, the rest of the crowd. And he says, and then Jesus said to them again, saying, 
I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I am the light. Can I tell you, Jesus is pure light. He's saying, look at me. They just saw a display of, of God's eternal plan of redemption, and he's saying, look on me. So literally, as you look on Jesus, everything he just spoke, that woman comes to you. You look at him, you get the same light. How I many of that was light in that woman's life? She went from being condemned to death and, and the death penalty on her to a whole new lease on life. He says, everybody, to the rest of the crowd, to all of them, to all of us here tonight, he says, I am the light. Consider uh, what was in people's hearts as they went home. That, that, uh, that this woman, they're going, wow, you know. Um, uh, first of all, those Pharisees weren't as right as they thought they were. Secondly, that woman, even though she was really messed up, got a whole new hope in life. And third, if I'll look at him the way that she did, I'll get all of that good stuff for my life. So he, he, he says, look. He says, Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me. I'm telling you, at the end of that day, he says, if you'll follow me, if you'll look to me, you're not following a pastor or a church or a fellowship. You're following Jesus. We're doing that together. We link our lives together. God places us, but we have to keep our eyes upon Jesus. Look at him. Consider him. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So Jesus illuminates the darkness for all of us. And, and you know what? I, I love it because maybe you didn't fit into the Pharisee mold, and maybe you didn't fit into the, the adulterous woman mold. But I tell you, all of us fit into this. He says, look at me. Get up every morning and look at Jesus. Look at the hope. Look at the forgiveness. Look at the conviction and the correction because he loves you. Amen? And, and let him, he says, get your eyes on me. That's why Paul said, I am determined not to do anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. You know, the, the sign of a good pastor is not that everybody's focused on the pastor. It's that everybody's focused on Jesus. Amen? A good pastor. I, a few years ago, I got this, this uh, email, and it was actually from a, a pastor someplace in Texas. I won't say his name. I don't know much about him. But it was all about how, how he had cut his hair a certain way, and, and I thought, you know, the whole thing was about this pastor. I thank God for good pastors. They are a gift from God. But let me tell you, a good pastor directs you to Jesus, not to himself. Not to just what, what you know, I thank God for our fellowship, but we've got to look at Jesus who is the light. When you look at light, you get light, right? How many want light inside? Light in your mind, light in your spirit, light in your home. And so Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Follow me. I believe that husbands and wives went home that day and said, we're going to follow Jesus. We're going we're gonna to go along the path that he has got. We're going to be like Paul, for I'm determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I have towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Everybody... That focuses on Jesus. You get up tomorrow morning, you focus on Jesus. You go to bed tomorrow night, you focus on Jesus. You go before you, before you go to sleep tonight, say, Jesus, thank you. I'm focusing on you. 
You Throughout the day, you focus on Jesus. And I'm telling you, whenever you do that, he says to give you a future and a hope. Hope will flood your heart. You know how to get rid of depression? Look at Jesus. Keep looking at him. Look at him in the scripture. Look at him through prayer. Look at him in every sermon that you hear. And I'm telling you, God will give you light and your life will be changed. So which, which group do you fall in tonight? Are you willing to be honest with yourself? Amen? You don't have to answer to me, but you need to let God help you right where you're at. Let's bow our heads tonight for just a couple of minutes here. We need Jesus to help us tonight. As every head bowed and every eye is closed, God is aware of every person here. He knew about you. I prayed in my motel room this afternoon, God, you know. You know, I, I don't just pray for my sermon. I pray for the receivers. I pray for the folks that only God knew who was going to be here tonight. I don't know a lot of you personally, uh, but the thing is God knows you. He has a capacity there. He knows where you're at. He knows what you need. He knows whether you're right with him tonight. So my first question tonight is, are you really right with God? He, he's not against you. The devil will lie and say, God hates you. He's mad at you. No, God loves you. He is a redemptive king that has a plan to pull you to himself and out of the darkness of this world and out of the darkness of sin. So as every head's bowed, every eye closed, how many right now? Let's ask, let's all ask her, am I really right with God? If in the next five seconds that Jesus came back, would you be left sitting here because there's dark things in your heart that you haven't brought to the light, that you haven't given to the Lord? There's things, there's, 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 there's maybe dishonesty. Let me tell you tonight, God doesn't want you to stay in that place. You know what? We see accidents. We see people going to eternity every day, every day, people going into eternity. We cannot play with eternity. How many, you're, you'd be real honest between you and God right now, and you just slip your hand up and say, God, I realize I'm not where I need to be with you. I see some hands going up. I'm not where I need to be. There's some things in my heart. I see other hands. Let's just be honest with God. Let's repent. There's some things I've been doing that, that you you're, you're say tonight, I've been playing with that seed of death, of sin. I don't want it to come out in my life. I'm, let me just tell you tonight, if you will deal with things when God deals with your heart, much of what would ever have happened from that is mitigated and done away with. You will not reap everything if you'll bring it to Jesus when God's dealing. I'm telling you, a lot of things will never come out. You will never be exposed like that woman because God will take care of it. How many others tonight? God, just talking to you, and you just, you just slip your hand. Now, what I want to do is, uh, before we're going to have a time here in just a minute at this altar, and we're going to let God help us tonight. But if, if you raised your hand, uh, I'd like everybody just to stand tonight. And we're going to pray a, a prayer together. And just a simple prayer of repentance, of rededication. I want everybody here, let's just bow our heads and you just repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've been caught in the act. And I confess all sin to you. I believe that you died on the cross for me. And that right now, your blood cleanses me. I receive and I open my heart to your forgiveness and your grace and I give you my life from this day forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. 
For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.